Watch after slamming much of the southeast with heavy rains and high winds. The remnants of Storm Fred are expected to drench areas as far north as New Jersey and Rhode Island today. Extreme weather events have hit global supply chains and hit American families hard. Soaring food prices are forcing families to cut back at the dinner table. Food prices worldwide in July were up a staggering 31 percent from the same month last year, according to the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization. People are eating less meat and fresh fruit and drinking less milk because of higher prices. CBS's Jim Crisula. Decades of sexual assault allegations could catch up with Robert Sylvester Kelly in a Brooklyn courtroom about half an hour from now. CBS's Matt Piper is watching. R. Kelly's federal trial in Brooklyn comes after years of frustration among women who say they were sexually abused by the 54-year-old singer. He all along has denied any wrongdoing. Opening statements are set to begin before a jury made up of seven men and five women. In Haiti, the death toll from Saturday's earthquake has risen to around 2,000. The search continues for bodies. Many thousands are threatened by hunger and disease. And now Tropical Depression Grace threatens to drop another 10 inches of rain on the worst hit areas. Stocks ahead of the opening bell. S&P futures are down 8. Dow futures down 98. This is CBS News. This is Kevin Frazier from Entertainment Tonight. Treat yourself to an all-new season of E.T. starting Monday, September 13th. Go to etonline.com for where to watch. Tired of waking up hot and uncomfortable? Start sleeping cool on the Temper Breeze by Tempur-Pedic. It's engineered with a revolutionary cooling system that pulls excess heat away from your body to help you sleep deeper all night and wake up more refreshed every morning. The Tempur-Pedic Summer of Sleep ends soon. Don't miss our best offer of the year and your chance to get your best sleep of the summer. All Tempur-Pedic mattresses are on sale with savings up to $700 on adjustable mattress sets. Learn more at TempurPedic.com. Are you a true crime super fan? Join award-winning 48 Hours correspondent Aaron Moriarty on the My Life of Crime podcast. Name the 2021 Digiday Best Podcast. Each episode pulls you straight into the investigations, including a New York City after party gone horribly wrong, a cold-blooded teen killer looking for a retrial, and more. Season 3 coming this fall. Follow My Life of Crime on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. A deliberate subsonic attack or a psychosomatic disease, whatever it is, more U.S. diplomats have been stricken. According to the Wall Street Journal, at least two U.S. officials stationed in Germany developed symptoms of the mysterious health condition known as Havana Syndrome. The first cases emerged in U.S. and Canadian personnel stationed in Cuba in late 2016. Those affected complain of headaches, dizziness and symptoms similar to those of a concussion. Last month, cases of the Havana Syndrome were also reported by U.S. diplomats in Austria's capital, Vienna. Anna Noriskevich, CBS News, Berlin. Uh, and finally, a jilted woman in Britain hijacked her ex-boyfriend's Alexa voice assistant from more than 100 miles away and used it to turn the lights on and off and to tell his new girlfriend to get out of his house. There's actually no law against that, but there is against posting naked pictures of your ex online. And that is what Philippa Copleton Warren pleaded guilty to. The new girlfriend fled. I'm Vicki Barker, CBS News. Are you a true crime super fan? Join award-winning 48 Hours correspondent Aaron Moriarty on the My Life of Crime podcast. 
named the 2021 Digiday Best Podcast, each episode pulls you straight into the investigations, including a New York City after party gone horribly wrong, a cold-blooded teen killer looking for a retrial, and more. Season 3 coming this fall. Follow My Life of Crime on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You're always up for some fun with the family. So you order the essentials, a new board game, some baking supplies, and even a new projector for outdoor movie night. And with the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card, you can choose to earn 3% cash back on online shopping, which could increase up to 5.25% as a preferred rewards member. Rewards which you can put toward an extra treat that everyone will enjoy, like an old-fashioned popcorn machine. Visit bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding and apply now. Copyright 2021 Bank of America Corporation. Are you struggling to pay out-of-pocket Medicare costs? Your deductibles, co-payments, and prescription medication can really add up. Buckeye Hills Regional Council can help you navigate confusing sign-ups and help you save money. Medicare savings programs such as extra help or low-income subsidy are available. Call 1-800-331-2644 for free over-the-phone assistance with enrollment. No waiting, no travel, just one phone call. That's 1-800-331-2644. Stay on top of the news every hour at the top of the hour with CBS News Radio on Classic Hits 97 and 97.1 FM, WATH. Did you know that most adults with autism are unemployed and a major hurdle is the lack of job opportunities? That's why Autism Speaks is teaming up with Lee Container, the Jay Donald and Laurel Lee Family Foundation Fund, and delivering jobs to create a more inclusive workforce in the U.S. Are you an HR professional, community leader, or business owner? Join us in creating a workforce where people of all abilities can contribute and thrive. To learn more, visit AutismSpeaks.org slash employment. Weenie Wednesday. Corn dogs and regular hot dogs, 99 cents each. Open 10.30 a.m. until 10 o'clock p.m. Head on over to Larry's Doghouse over on West Union Street in Athens. The Meigs County Fair is back, and we are racing. Nothing beats the sound of thundering hooves as they head to the finish line. Catch the excitement of harness racing Wednesday and Thursday at the Meigs County Fair in Rock Springs. Post time Wednesday is 4 p.m. Tuesday post time is 1 p.m. Horses, racing, and winners at the Meigs County Fair. Wednesday and Thursday, be there. If you think you are beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you think you'd like to win, but you can't, it's almost a cinch you won't. Life's battle doesn't always go to the stronger or faster man, but sooner or later, the person who wins is the one who thinks he can. Single game tickets on sale now at Bengals.com. Have you heard of Project Rise? Are you a parent in Athens, Meigs, Perry, or Vinton counties? We provide internships, job shadowing, work study, transition planning, and graduation coaching. All students and parents have free access to these resources. For more information, please find us on Facebook at AMESC Project Rise. There are numerous free events and resources that you need to know about. Act now. Project Rise will help you with your future after high school. Follow us on Facebook at AMESC Project Rise. Hello, my name is Kevin Tidd. 
My wife Carrie and I are the owners of the pharmacy on Stimson Avenue. For over half a century, we have been feeding the Athens community and providing customer service that is above and beyond your expectations. It has been our lifelong dream to run our own health and wellness store, and we enjoy doing so every day. Just like how we enjoy promoting our lifestyle on WATH and WXTQ Radio. Radio advertising has worked for us, especially in these trying times, and it can work for you and your business as well. Take it from us, Kevin and Carrie from the pharmacy. At Ohio Health, we'd like to remind you that the health issues you faced before the pandemic haven't just gone away. That cancer screening you needed, well, you still need it. Your bad knee's not going to replace itself. And when life as you know it stopped, your medical needs didn't. It's time to take back your health safely. And just like always, Ohio Health is here to help you do it. Visit OhioHealth.com to find out more. What in the world is going on now? Find out every weekday at 8 a.m. and 7 p.m. on the World News Roundup from CBS News Radio and on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. I-N-E-P-T. Inept Tech. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? Oysters, oysters, raw, raw, raw. Coach Turf, here we are at midweek. We've got a conference game coming up this week at home, but uh, let's get away from uh, talking about uh, football on the field and go back and do a little more. Uh, Wet NF- rats, you know, this is my favorite part of the week. You know, this is where we get away from practice, take a little break, and start talking about all them uh, traditions that's steeped in the history of NF Tech football and what we have loaned to the legend and lore of the game of football, that great game of football. Most of the folks don't know about the great contributions that NF Tech's made. A lot of the terminology that we use in connection with football today actually uh, developed uh, right here on the campus of NF Tech. That's right, uh, especially with yours truly right at the helm. And, and you know, sometimes uh, folks uh, don't get credit for what they do, and, and we hadn't gotten what you call your good publicity about our program. And that's the reason for this here program. We sure are glad for all them listeners out there listening to my fine show right here on this station. Well, what kind of uh, NF Tech uh, football history lesson are you going to give us today? Well, I was thinking, uh, coming on the way over to the office, uh, about a boy what played for me back in 19 and 39. You know, that's that's a long ways back. Uh, a feller named of a Weird Art Marco. You know, Weird Art, he was kind of a strange boy. In fact, uh, he's what you call one of a kind, and there wasn't a whole lot of other folks on the ball team that uh, would associate with Weird Art. You know, uh, he had kind of his own way of doing things, and he was uh, what you call a defensive lineman, and whenever uh, Weird Art was playing on the line, uh, they wasn't nobody else what would line up with him on there. They, they'd all line up uh, three, four, five, seven, nine yards back behind him because they didn't want to get close to him. And, and so that's what where that uh, term odd man front come from because Weird Art, he was an odd man, and now they refer to it anytime you have an odd number of folks on the line. That's what you call your odd man front. But that comes from, from an odd man named a Weird Art Marco who played back at NAP Tech over in 19 and 39. Amazing, Coach. Well, I knew you'd think so, and we ain't done yet. We'll be back with more right after this message. And there we go. Weird Art Markle can ride in a kayak because kayaks, wetsuits, masks, snorkels, and fins on sale until the weather flash flooding alert expires today on this rent cycle of a day on Wednesday. Coach Turf, we enjoyed uh, listening to the background of the terminology uh, odd man front as it developed right here at 
inept tech. Back in uh, 19 and 39. Right. Anything else uh, that you've got to, to tell us about uh, football lore here? Well, you know, we was talking about weird art, Markle. You know, I was thinking about another feller that... Uh, that uh, was a couple donuts short of a dozen, played for us back in 1951, a feller named of uh, Three-Fingered Duckman. You know, he was a quarterback. He was a reserve quarterback, didn't get in the games too much. And, he, see, he had only three fingers on his throwing hand. So anytime he threw the football, it kind of wobbled a little bit and resembled kind of a wounded bird flying through the air. And anytime he throwed a pass, they named it after him. They call it a wounded duck. Well, Coach, what kind of completion percentage did he have? Well, not real good. Every one of them wounded ducks got shot down. Be listening again, sports fans, for the next thrill-packed interview with the head coach of the Fighting Oysters of Inept Tech, the coaching legend in his own mind, the one and only Coach Art Turf. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N's. In case you didn't know it, the city of Athens has issued a, uh, a flash flood warning. Earlier this morning, it was till 1045. They've now changed it, and it's till 1230. When I left the house this morning, it was absolutely pouring. My short drive out to the radio station when I arrived here was very light. Now it's heavy again. So uh, that's just the way it is, isn't it? Uh, You just don't know. It's going to be light. It's going to be heavy. It's going to be heavy. It's going to be light. Anyway, folks. um, Oh, and also that sale on kayaks until 1245, right? Uh... (laughs) Excuse me. Good morning. Welcome. It's uh, August 18th. It's a uh, Wednesday, right? Yeah. And uh, Scott's here. Good morning. Good morning. He's been here all morning. Always doing a great job. Yes. Um, what do you mean? Great music. Yes. You, you shouldn't be saying yes about your own self. That's... <laughs> what did you say? Did you say always having no, a great time? No, I said always doing a great job. Oh, thank you. And yes. Then you said yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, be careful out there, folks. Trying my uh, best. <laughs> there are places in our county, and most of you, I hope, know where these are likely to happen, but where the waters will come in. And um, where it's flown to, flown, prone to a bit of flooding, right? So uh, be careful out there, and um, just just be careful. The um, let's see, this date of August eighteenth, we have the National Fajita Day. 
You like fajitas? Yeah. Me too. Chicken fajitas, especially. I'm, um, let's see, what's mine called? Cancun. Cancun's the one I like, which is seafood. Uh, Quesadilla Cancun particularly, but that's not a fajita, of course. Anyway, fajita's where you kind of build your own, right? Yeah, you get a tortilla, a soft tortilla. Then you fill it up with all the stuff off the hot platter. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm a little more inclined for quesadillas. For quesadilla, yeah, same thing. Well, not really. Sort of. Well, close to the same thing, we'll say. They're both Mexican, let's put it that way. Okay, we'll stop there with that one. (laughs) (laughs) Today's National Ice Cream Pie Day. Now, just, I'm trying to think if I've ever had an ice cream pie. I guess I have. Anyway. I like those chocolate satin ice cream pies. Okay. Mm. Now, um, yes, I like wine, but I still don't know if I'm going to say this right. National Pinot Noir Day. Did I say it right? I it beats me, Pinot. Pinot Noir. Uh, Noir. I think it's a little smoother than that. <laughs> okay. But anyway, um, but that's not my choice. Um, but it is that type of wine a day. Okay, National Mail Order Catalog Day. Boy, has that been a big deal over the last two years since COVID started. Yeah. Online catalog ordering, I guess. And finally, Congressional Startup Day. Okay, let's look that one up. That is where new business startups, uh, this day's been designated for congressional representatives to visit their districts and visit the new startup businesses and give owners a chance to express their concerns to their elected representatives and see what they can do to help them with those concerns. Well, um, sounds like a good idea. Yeah. But let me tell you know, let me say, I've, um, my dad and I bought this in 1973, this radio station. Has, um, so we're not a new startup by any means. <coughs> Excuse me. But I've never had a congressman or a state-level representative stop by and ask how we're doing. Ever. Now, um, once in a while you might get a written survey from one of our national trade associations, which they then pass along to those elected officials. 
but um, and of course we've had our congressmen and uh, important state office holders in the studio to be interviewed many times. Yeah, but I, I to to have someone come by specifically to ask, how you doing? Yeah, what can we do to help? What's going on? What are your concerns? So National Startup Day. Yeah. It's, well, uh, we're not a startup. No. It's uh, geared to a lot of small businesses, and, you know, small businesses provide immense value <clears throat> to not only the community they're in, but to the to the state's economy, and, you know, therefore, on up the national economy. And, you know, without small businesses, many communities, particularly smaller communities, communities would struggle wouldn't you think well yeah um by the way raining hard again here on columbus road oh wow Th- this morning i um hazy up the you road. know i looked outside and it was just mm. pouring outside the our home so i thought well <clears throat> i better find a lightweight jacket um because even running to and from the car, I'm going to get wet. <laughs> and uh, so I pulled out uh, my Ohio University Sports Administration jacket. All right. You know, I felt every drop. I bet. It, it was cloth. <laughs> it was not a jacket. <laughs> I mean, it's more like a just another, another layer you might wear if it was a little bit chilly. Yeah, very thin. But it didn't. It didn't do. <laughs> yeah, it didn't keep me from getting wet. It it kept you wetter. It, actually, that's true. Yeah. Well, I I said earlier on the, the program that we are currently in the rinse cycle. Rinse cycle. Okay. Right now, okay. <clears throat> we have been in the rinse cycle for hours here in Athens and Southeast Ohio. You know, I noticed on the TV weather models the rain is moving up predominantly through Southeast Ohio. And up through the eastern portion of, and this is spread, right? Yeah, this um, what do they call it? Tropical storm. Okay, the remnants of it. Fred. Yeah. Fred. Yeah, we needed the rain, but uh, I'm you know not sure about this flooding business. We don't need that. However, I guess mm-hmm. we don't get a vote. No. Fred voted. Fred and Mother Nature. Now, Grace, the other one, the tropical storm in the. Uh, what it is it the lower Atlantic Ocean below Florida? Mm. Apparently is heading westward toward the Texas area. In in what we call Central America too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? Central America? Well, yeah, below below Texas, New yeah, Mexico. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That area. Mexico area, Central America. Well, let's see here. Uh, obviously, folks, you've figured out by now, today's a free-for-all edition. Um, i got some interesting data that I thought I might share with you. Uh, but first, let's do the um, this day in history, right? So, um, historical events that happen on this date. The first one we have to mention is the uh, year 1737. When, on August 18th, the first public admittance to the Salon de Paris, de Paris, 
art exhibition at the Louvre in Paris occurred. Okay, so are they saying that's when the Louvre opened? L-O-U-V-R-E. Oh, the Louvre? Yeah. Yeah. They are saying that, or are they saying that a particular wing opened on that date? Um, not that it really matters. That I'm not sure. We'll, we'll, we'll just go by it. 1838 on this date, United States exploring expedition headed by Charles Wilkes. Departs for the Pacific Ocean and Antarctica. There was, um, I'm looking out the window staring at nothing. I'm thinking about, um, a fellow I went to high school with. His father was considered the foremost. foremost knowledgeable person about Antarctica. I think the last name was Goldthwaite. And he was a professor at Ohio State. And um, I had the opportunity during Boy Scouts and different things to hear him speak about Antarctica. It was fascinating. I think I have that name right. All right. 1914, U.S. President Woodrow Wilson issues the Proclamation of Neutrality. Okay. Um, that could mean so many things. A Proclamation of Neutrality. Now, in 1914, did we have Republicans and Democrats, or did we have another party as well? Yeah, we had we had them. What were they called? Uh, we, re, just the Republicans and Democrats. Oh, okay. I thought you said we had another party. No. Okay, now, <clears throat> the Proclamation of Neutrality, what was that? As World War I erupted in Europe, President Wilson formally uh, proclaims the neutrality of the United States, a position of a vast majority of Americans favored. He proclaimed that on August 4, 1914. President Wilson was outraged, but the German government apologized and called the attack an unfortunate mistake. So what happened? We're, uh, okay, well, our nation participated in World War One. Yeah, eventually. In a big way. Yeah. But initially, we were intending not to? Yes. It was um, apparently a long-standing idea at the heart of American foreign policy at that time that the United States would not entangle itself with alliances with other nations. Okay. Now I'm going to find out why did they abandon that? Why did the U.S. enter? Let's see. World War II was basically focused on German versus who? Well, they were overtaking Europe at the time. I mean, they were 
pillaging and plundering countries next to Germany on the borders there. So the U.S. got involved in order to help protect other nations from being taken over. Yeah, to stop the German and Nazi aggression toward, you know, countries like Poland, France. Okay, so that's World War II. Now, give me a thumbnail picture of World War I. The U.S. entered World War I because Germany embarked on a deadly gamble. Germany sank many American merchant ships around the British Isles, which prompted the American entry into the war. But but the principal countries raising hell during World War I were... Uh, Germany. Again, Germany. Yep. Germany began that by trying, you know, their aggression again, trying to overtake many countries in the European area. So really, these two... Both World War One and Two were very similar in nature. Yes, in in beginning. Okay. Yes, why they happened. History is not my strong point, folks. Yeah, Germany was uh, was branching out all over in World War Two, even into even into the the deserts, the areas and the desert areas of Africa, North Africa, all over the European continent. Uh, they drew Japan in as an ally. Italy became an ally mm-hmm. because they did not want Germany to invade them, so they joined them, basically. Mm-hmm. And M- Mussolini and Hitler signed on together. Joseph Stalin originally signed on with Germany from Russia. And then when Germany turned on Russia and invaded Russia as a, an attempt at a surprise Attack the Russian forces overwhelmed Germany and joined the Allies with the United States, Britain, France, uh, all of the Allies. You're good at this. That followed to uh, to you know reduce and prevent that Nazi aggression. Well, I try. I, um, I, I I read up on that and watch documentaries. Dad and I used to watch World War Two. Documentaries and he's books a veteran and things. Yes, and um, and I am too, but of an entirely different era. Um. Okay. In 1919, the Anti-Cigarette League of America was first formed on this date in Chicago, Illinois. 1919. Now, folks, I do I have a, a bit of a habit? The answer is yes. I love a cigar. Um, and that's all I'll say. But, um, you know, I remember we used to... I, Potential spam. Okay, that's what I need. Um, my phone was ringing. Okay, um, remember, well, if you, Scott, probably you haven't been with us long enough to remember this, even though you've been with us a long time. But when I arrived here in 1973, there were ashtrays in every studio. Uh, people did smoke. People ate food in the studios. Now, we have 
eventually we had to say, don't do that, because people were being very sloppy about it. But now we've relaxed that rule, and people may eat in the studios again. They just are more careful about cleanliness and things like that. But if certainly there's no smoking in the building. My times have changed over the years. Yeah. Yeah, I can recall working at uh, OU when smoking was still permitted yeah. in offices. You know, you go in, but didn't you name it, it seemed like there was that going on somewhere, yeah. but obviously not now. Anyway, 1919, the Anti-Cigarette <clears throat> League of America was formed. That was the year of the uh, World Series Black Sox scandal. Too, 1919, the Chicago White Sox and the Cincinnati Reds playing for the World Series. And the White Sox players were persuaded by gamblers to throw the World Series so they could bet on it. And the Q... By throw, do you mean lose it? Yeah, to the Cincinnati Reds. And the Reds won it. And it was later investigated that uh, you know, Shoeless Joe Jackson was one of those, one of the characters portrayed in Field of Dreams. And uh, he got really, for what he did on the field, de- uh, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But, you know, he was banned because of that as one of the leaders. And one of the signals to the gamblers, because they didn't know if the players were going to still hold to the agreement to throw the World Series, was that the White Sox were in the field first, and the pitcher the signal for the pitcher to let the gamblers know that the fix was on to throw the World Series was the White Sox pitcher was to hit the first Cincinnati Reds batter. And that's how they knew that the players were on board to throw the World Series. And did the White Sox pitcher hit the first Reds batter? Yes, he did. And the fix was on. Incidentally, did it go seven games? I don't know if it did or not. I think it may have gone five or six. But incidentally, Shoeless Joe Jackson, how he got his nickname Shoeless, apparently, well, he's from South Carolina, and apparently he had a brand new pair of spikes, and when he was wearing them, they, they wore blisters on his feet so bad one day that he couldn't wear any shoes the next day. So he went to bat with no shoes on. Thus, the name Shoeless Joe Jackson. Boy, we're all over the place this morning. How about a little trivia there from 1919. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, um, the fact that we're all over the place this morning. Nothing wrong with that. Okay, in 1920, the 22-year-old representative Harry T. Byrne, B-U-R-N, is deciding is the deciding vote in Tennessee's unless America's ratification of the 19th Amendment to the Constitution, that which allowed women's suffrage after letter from his mother. I think they could have written that sentence a little better, but um, anyway, the point is that. Um, he got a letter from his mom asking him to vote a certain way. He did, and that was good for women. 
right? Yes. That's a much simpler way of saying it. There you go. 1940, the Battle of Britain. The air battle known as the Hardest Day occurs. Luftwaffe um, lose approximately 69 aircraft, and the Royal Air Force lose 68 in one of the largest ever air battles. Well, that went longer than normal. Um, let's see what we got. Some famous birthdays, right? Okay. You were talking baseball a little while ago. Roberto Clemente. Born in 1934, died in 1972. What a great player. Number 21 for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He ended his career with uh, 3,000 hits. He got his final hit of the final season that he played, and he was killed in a plane crash on a relief flight uh, to his native country, which escapes me right now. Meriwether Lewis. He um, was born in 1774, died in 1809. His picture doesn't help me, but I, I know I've heard this name. He was the former governor of the Louisiana Territory before it became a state. He was an American explorer, soldier, politician, public administrator, best known for his role as the leader of the Lewis and Clark Expedition. Also known as the Corps of Discovery with William Clark. Here's another one. Um, Antonio Salieri. Okay. Uh, S-A-L-I-E-R-I. He is, born was. In, well, hang on now. So born in 1750, died in 1825. Your turn. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. He was an Italian classical composer, conductor, and teacher. Uh, born in Lignan, Lignago, south of Verona, in the Republic of Venice, and spent his adult life and career As a subject of the Habsburg monarchy, he was a pivotal figure in the development of the late 18th century opera. Okay, now, uh, the famous birthday today that is uh, still living is that of Robert Redford, the actor. um, 85th birthday today. All right, now, uh, two famous deaths to mention. Genghis Khan... Um, who died in 1227. We're not real certain of his birth year. And um, then that uh, the other person is Walter Chrysler. Guess what? Yeah. The vehicle, yeah. right? Yeah, there you go. Born in 1875, died in 1940. Yes. Now, I think we have a caller. Good morning. Good morning. Guess what? Uh, what? Our turf show is now in season. Football season is here. Yeah, we'll have to start playing a baseball comedy now. Or something else. No, no, uh, (laughs) so I guess there's no hope in ever stopping it now. (laughs) I was thinking. It's amazing how many people think, even even if they've heard that particular one before, they still chuckle. He throws things in like, 
A few donuts short of a dozen. Yes, I, I know. That's cute. I did. I did you hear that. on this morning's CBS News that they won the Edward R. Murrow Reporting Award for the eighth year in a row? Um, it was on earlier this morning. No, I hadn't. But I. But you're right. CBS News is great, and that's why. We're very proud to be a part of it. Glad you have it, and I noticed on Sunday, I don't know whether any, either of you heard it, but... Uh, our emeritus professor, economics professor Richard Vetter, had a segment on that featured him almost every hour uh, over the Sunday and Sunday night, as saying that he he is recommending an exit exam for college graduates. An exit exam? Yes, yeah, something okay. that you have to yeah. prove that your college experience was worth it to future employers. But, I don't think that's a totally bad idea. No, it, it, it sounded real interesting. It, yeah. This test would test general knowledge and your ability to reason and intellectually um, think through things. And whoa, I thought, whoa! And and they interviewed him and he talked about, you know, it could be general knowledge like when was this nation founded and this and that. But he said sometimes. College Ivy League graduates, no less than some high school seniors. So uh, he really throws them out there, and I think he would be a nice guy for you to interview again sometime. He's a good friend. And if you want some of these uh, dignitaries to come and see new um, businesses like startups, like you said you never saw anybody, invite them on your show. Well, I've had them as guests. The thing is, they don't really seem to show an interest in how we're doing. But right. anyway. But you could ask them. Yeah. Do you want to know how we're doing? Well, oh, I see what you mean. And yeah. anyway, uh, finally, tomorrow you're going to have Mayor Patterson on. And I was thinking that would be a good time to ask him about this swimming pool disaster. With the lifeguard striking up. Oh, that, that story is so fouled up. He can straighten you it got, out. Then. You got some people saying one thing, others saying others. Um, we'll do our best, okay? Uh, yeah, I do hope you touch on that point tomorrow. Okay. I know people are saying if you ever tried to contact Terry Moore, the department head at the time, I'm, gl I'm glad that she's gone, you never got a response. And I found that happened to me. I called her and said, those water fountains up at South Pond uh, parking lot area, they're not working. And they still didn't work for a while later. And not until I called the mayor's office, someone finally got it fixed. So they always said, whenever you wanted to contact somebody, like department head at the uh, rec center, be sure you send a cop carbon copy to the mayor. Anyway, I'll be anxious to hear you talk. Oh, and he's probably going to be telling us, hey, we all need to mask up again when we're in high buildings. Let's wait uh, until tomorrow and find out. Yeah, we're in a high-risk county now again. Uh, we are not in the highest category. We're, well, I, we're, I heard on the news. There are two counties. I'm sorry. There are three counties in the state of Ohio that are not in the highest category. We are one of them. But it's next to the highest. Oh, is that where we were? Yeah. I heard that on the 20th. Okay, I got a scoot here.
Right. Thank you. You bet. Uh, 970 WATH. Um, I brought in something I think you may find interesting. It certainly is to me. Now, it's a little bit, um, what do you call it, self-serving. Okay, so uh, the majority of you out there certainly are listening to this station using a radio, right? Um, but it is in this day and age that, that we have other ways you can listen to. Um, you can listen uh, on your computer. Uh, which is a stream, right? An audio stream, live. Um, now cell phones allow you to listen to such things as well. Um, you know how there's these little things that Google makes or Alexa, and you say, hey Alexa, play this. Or, hey, Alexa, how much is 1,242 times 13? And it'll answer, you know. Okay, you can say, uh, hey, Google, uh, play WXTQ. Yeah. And so it'll do it. Hey, Siri. Siri, too. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Mine just uh, activated when I said that, my phone. Oh, you have it on your phone? Yeah. Okay. It's waiting for my question. <laughs> well, um, okay, so we we have that sort of thing going on here. And by going on, I mean we provide audio feeds to the Internet and the like. So I, I brought in some statistics, okay? Now, um, these these are growing all the time, but the the information I'm going to share with you is all in the past year. So let's talk about. Um, well, let's talk about sessions in general. Uh, I'm missing one sheet of paper. Well, anyway, we'll, uh, that's all right. We'll work around it. So, you know, we have two stations here, WATH, which is what you're listening to, and WXTQ. WXTQ is uh, primarily um, youth-oriented, 18 to 35 demographic pattern. WATH is uh, targeted to 45 years of age and plus. Okay. So WATH over the past year has had 59,000 503 sessions. That means where someone turned on their computer and was listening to us and 
It could have been for 30 seconds. It could have been for three days. Just sessions. And that is in the United States. 59,503. Now that's 84% of the sessions. So here's the next figure. There were 11,325 who connected from somewhere other than the United States. Bringing the total to 70,828 sessions. That's kind of interesting, right? Yeah. Now, this streaming business. Well, this, our streaming services can tell what's, what device you're using, if you will. So let's just stay with this station for the moment. W-A-T-H. Um, there were 3,597 sessions... 56% of them were using their desktops. 33% were using their cell phones. And 11% were using these Alexa or Siri or that sort of thing. Right? WXTQ, our sister station. Um, the big difference is cell phones, and you kind of expect that with younger listeners. Uh, 45% were listening through the desktop, 43% through cell phones, 12% through Alexa or Siri or Hey Go Go or whatever. Um... And they had a total of 4,458 streaming sessions. Okay, let's put that away. Now, between our AM and FM stations combined, we had 6,330 sessions last year. Maybe maybe I should do this differently. Let's just do WATH first. So 2845. I'm, I'm sorry, that's not... I'm confusing you. Please erase what I just said. There were 3,435 sessions last year. And that is up through yesterday. Two thousand eight hundred and forty-five were from the United States. Now you see where I'm going here. Mm -hmm. Yep. What do you think, Scott? Was the next most popular listener 
country. Oh, my. Um, Malaysia. It was Germany. 179 sessions there. Number two after... Number three after the United States. The United Kingdom. They had 128. Finland, 124. Canada, 58. The Philippines, 28. India, 21. Brazil, 21. Russia, 17. And Taiwan, 14. Now, WXCQ, we have their information, too. Uh, where WATH did not show any listeners in India. WXTQ, India was the second most popular place. Second only to the United States itself. Where Germany was number one outside of our nation for WATH, Germany didn't show up on WXTQ. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so let me just go down the list here. So India was uh, tops, 125 listeners. Uh, number two was Canada. Number three was the Philippines. Number four was Korea. Number five was France. Then Brazil, then Argentina, then the United Kingdom, then Turkey. So you put all these together, and you got 7,414 using this electronic means from around the world. I think that's really interesting stuff. Yeah. Large numbers. Mm. Well... I guess that's enough on that. We have about five minutes in the show today remaining. I was just going to say, our numbers really spike when we broadcast high school football action here on 970 and the county game of the week over on Power 105. We get <coughs> listeners from all over the country listening in. And you have to figure that it's grandparents and that sort of thing. Family, people that used to live in this area that relocated. But mm -hmm. uh, the, the numbers really go up. And also the Bengals, they really go up now that uh, Joey's back. And, but are uh, we allowed to stream? Um... No, I, I don't mean streaming. No, we we don't stream the Bengals games or Reds, but we we I think we can see that listeners – to the actual broadcast on 970 uh, go up. 
Oh, okay. But I have to look into that. But uh, particularly the high school football basketball broadcasts, um, Bobcats, football and basketball. You know, and Ohio State football and basketball too. We get uh, really, really good numbers with those. Um, the lead story right now uh, nationally is. Will the Supreme Court reconsider a major case concerning freedom of press? They're calling it a First Amendment precedent. Four years ago, at his Supreme Court confirmation hearings, Justice Neil Gorsuch indicated that a 1964 precedent Protecting press freedom was secure. That's been the law of the land for, gosh, 50 or 60 years, he said. And, um, but last month, Gorsuch said it was time for the Supreme Court to take another look at the case. Um, we do not have time to go into this well this morning. There's only about a minute left in our show. But this is an interesting item, and tomorrow we have the mayor. Maybe on Friday we'll have the chance to go into this uh, in a little more detail, as well as any other stories that are popping then. Uh, let's see, is there anything else that needs... Uh, well, we could talk about Afghanistan, of course. What a mess. What a mess. Um, I'm really... It's, it's frightening. It truly is. Uh, I'll never forget that picture of those people running alongside that massive Air Force jet that was yeah. preparing to take off, trying to grip onto any surface they could. Eight of them, by the way, died in doing so. Um, desperate to escape that, prop, that geographic area because of what they feel the future holds for them, which is not good. All right, well, uh, it's Wednesday, folks. Have a great day out there, and uh, we'll do it all over again tomorrow. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Vicki Barker in London. Taliban leaders say they won't. Terror experts fear they will turn Afghanistan back into a safe haven for terrorists, that is. The risk is that al-Qaeda or ISIS will use either Taliban-controlled spaces or ungoverned spaces to develop sanctuary again, which was 
what brought us 9-11. NYPD counter-terror chief John Miller on CBS This Morning. CBS News has learned the U.S. will block the Taliban's access to any Afghan central bank assets held in the U.S. Coronavirus. Pope Francis urging all eligible adults to get the vaccine. The Biden administration expected to confirm a little later that all vaccinated Americans should get a booster shot eight months after their second jab. In at least two southern states, governors are clashing with some school districts over masks. Republican Arizona Governor Doug Ducey is threatening to cut off some funding for school districts that defy his ban on mask mandates. That makes parent Monty Cook angry, very angry. Melissa Reed's children attend a Phoenix elementary school that requires face coverings. I just 